Hello, and welcome to another episode of Of Sound Health. Today, I'm honored to talk with Bridget Loisel. Bridget is an occupational therapist with a profound knowledge and research experience in psychology, neurorehabilitation, and the application of the expressive arts in clinical occupational therapy practice. She uses the expressive arts in her clinical practice to support and enhance healing, health, and everyday well-being. With her expertise in program development, she has created and presented various continuing education courses and programs utilizing the expressive arts for clients of all ages. Let's connect with Bridget. Hello, Bridget. Yes, hi. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, I admire your work, and I saw you on the Continuing Ed course on OccupationalTherapy.com, and I was just so delighted that you were able to make time for us today, because you definitely are the go-to girl for occupational therapy and expressive arts. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you were able to combine those two things to really create something that's really unique and healing through the expressive arts. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a convoluted journey, but I am glad I ended up where I am. So I was working as an occupational therapist in the neuro rehab world, and I had always been interested in art. I almost pursued a graphic design degree, uh, so I, I've always really liked it. And when I was working as an OT in the neuro rehab hospital systems, I really saw such great responses, especially with individuals after brain injury or uh, you know children with expressive verbalization issues uh, with autism, things like that, they really responded well to these creative processes of visual arts. So drawing, painting, sculpting. And uh, I was always looking for ways to incorporate that into my sessions. But, you know, when you work as an OT, especially in acute care or in patient rehab settings, the focus is always on ADLs and scoring each part of the ADL. And so you don't have a lot of time to do extra things. So mm-hmm. I was always looking for other ways to do that. And I, a couple years ago, just went on Indeed and searched for art occupational therapy. And, you know, an opportunity in my own city of Pittsburgh popped up right away. And I was really excited. It was with a company called- Almost like Destiny. Yes, <laughs> <Almost> absolutely. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, Destiny. Uh, so uh, I contacted and applied to the position and fell in love with the boss and her vision and- uh, you know, I've been working with them ever since then, and it really helped me to develop my skills in using expressive art as an occupational therapist. Unfortunately, with that company, there are also certified art therapists, dance and movement therapists, music therapists. So I've learned a lot from them as well. And so the way that I incorporate into my occupational therapy sessions, I work in an, a pediatric outpatient clinic now, and I'm also in an inpatient neuro rehab. And I have found kind of creative ways to use music to help with relaxation, meditation, or um, painting to help with self-expression. I've used a lot of drawing and painting activities with children for, uh, you know, emotional regulation, skill building, social interaction, things like that. And I've seen such great results. So I'm really excited to continue to use it. And children are like natural artists. I mean, you put a pencil in front of them or color pencils a large time. You don't even have to coax them. They just immediately want to do it. Has that been your experience? Oh, absolutely. Because I think a lot of times what stops adults with art is that they're automatically embarrassed or 
anticipating that their art, their uh, product is not going to be aesthetically pleasing and then they're going to be judged for it. With kids, they don't care at all. I mean, it's not about what it looks like in the end. It's about the process. And that's what we always try to teach in these sessions that you're really focusing on what you're learning while you're creating this art. It doesn't matter at all what it looks like in the end. And I know I've learned a lot from that too, because I used to be a bit of a perfectionist when it came to what my art looked like. But yeah, kids just like go off with it. They will do whatever you ask and they will usually be highly motivated by engaging in an artistic process versus me just saying, okay, let's practice your letter A and let's just do that. You know, so now we make it about Pictionary and we'll guess what we're drawing and write down our answer, you know, so things like that. If you yeah, can incorporate yeah. it, it really motivates them. Yeah. Have you found that incorporating art helps with handwriting or fine motor for dressing for, with children or even adults? Oh, sure. Because a that lot of a times- carryover. Oh, yeah, yeah, because there is a huge uh, skill building area with drawing and painting with visual spatial or visual motor skills. And so a lot of times those are what contribute to uh, handwriting issues or, you know, clothing fastener issues with adults and children and like the fine motor, just what you said. But what I see a lot of it is the visual motor integration. So you're working on how your eyes are working together with your hands. And that's such an important skill. And you see that present a lot in handwriting and dressing. And, you know, going back to sort of what occupational therapists work on in general, and what we've seen in neuro rehab research is that the motivation behind any task is what really strengthens that neural connection. And so without it, you're really not going to get a lot of carryover or restoration and function. And so if you can motivate an individual and especially provide an emotional connection to the task that they're doing, that's what helps them get better. And it helps that when they're engaged, they're also training their attention skills. So that's where the emotional regulation and attention plays in. So have you used it with like with children with ADD, ADHD and stuff like that, diagnoses like that? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, I, I have found a use for art expression in every diagnosis, every patient. It always seems to be relevant, but yeah, especially when you're trying to hone in on uh, attention to visual detail, which again generalizes to the school environment, or just attention to any task, attention to direction following. We use it a lot with visual schedules um, and following two to step, uh, two to three step commands with children with ADHD and uh, ADD because a lot of times, as a lot of us do, our brain kind of wanders. We don't really hear what's being said to us, but if it's expressed visually, then we have yet another sense to rely on to help us remember what we're supposed to do. And we, it helps us focus as well. So yeah, I've seen a lot of success with that. And then uh, on your, in your own life, do you incorporate art? Like, do you journal and draw now? I mean, do you now see the value in it so much yourself too, that you're kind of like, hmm, I want to incorporate it in my life and as an everyday basis. Do you find yourself doing that now? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I've actually, as much as I love reading and I love the art of the the written word, uh, typography and whatnot. I have never been a huge journaler only because uh, it. I just don't seem to be able to dedicate that daily. I, I guess I'm not motivated to do it with a written word, but I now kind of do a doodle a day. And I think it's a great way for people who don't really like to write that much to kind of express yourself with just a doodle. And a doodle I have found using that word even helps to take the pressure off of of creating art. So you're just kind of doing oh, like letting wow. your hand go and your mind is just 
then you just kind so of see that's a powerful approach also to use with adults like you say who have that mm-hmm. kind of inhibition to just say let's just doodle yes you know yeah and, just... and I've used it not even a lot with with adults but even with kids in school I know when I was in school I was doodling all the time on my notes and it really does help some kids focus you know it, it provides that added sensory input to help them sit still in class and visually attend and retain some information that they're learning just by moving their pencil and moving their hand. So uh, I've, and I've, I've incorporated, incorporated that into my daily life as well. And I've found some, some really good results. So let's talk about more about those senses. That was very interesting. So you Mm -hmm. combine your education as an OT with sensory integration and the expressive arts is what you're saying. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So all that knowledge that you have of sensory integration, you say, well, how can I do this through the expressive arts? So a lot of times, if we look at the different senses that are needing to be engaged in, in different kinds of kids or adults, even every person has extremely different needs and and what they gravitate towards in any kind of situation, whether it's uh, needing some increased vestibular input or proprioceptive or or anything, you're really tapping into the senses. And so the way that I've tried to use expressive art, especially with children who have these sensory needs, Mm -hmm. uh, is by incorporating maybe some therapeutic listening, maybe some music with some movement. And that really helps to activate different areas of the brain to help with focus or interaction with the environment, things like that. Or we've used uh, more tactile senses or some visual senses. You know, humans are very visual creatures. And I have a lot of kiddos that really kind of get distracted by visual stimuli or they'll stim on it. So if you have some brightly contrasted drawings or paintings, there have been some research that shows that when you focus on some of those highly contrasted images, you are able to focus more on the information at hand. It's why we use highlighters. It's why we use pictures with our information. It's why histograms are used in science. It's, it really does help. So I've used those a lot with, with kids to help them with attention in class. Well, I was wondering if I was an OT and I wanted to kind of learn more about integrating sensory integration and expressive arts, do you recommend any resources that you are like your go-to books or go-to authors and researchers? Uh, there, you know, it's funny. I actually use a lot of, um, profiles on Instagram and that's mainly just for, uh, activity ideas, because I think a lot of times as occupational therapists, we have a lot of good theories behind what we do and what we're assessing. But a lot of times converting that into the clinic is very difficult because we just lack the resources for activity ideas. So, um, I like to go onto Pinterest or Instagram. I usually type in art therapy because certified art therapists have some great ideas. There are a lot of occupational therapy blogs as well on uh, Pinterest um, that use the sensory integration processes and techniques that are research backed heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, it is always very good to take continuing edu- course, education courses, excuse me, on sensory integration. That's something that I think is extremely important to just understand the mechanisms behind the theories. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So um, I would definitely recommend getting a foundational knowledge in that. And then once you're aware of which senses you're trying to engage, you can then go on to any of these blog pages or Instagram that give you gives you these really quick kind of two-minute blurbs of
it seems we have lost connection with Bridget. Let me try and contact her again. One moment, please. So continuing on, your approach then as an OT you would recommend would be to pay, uh, to look at your academic background to see whether you are, you know, prepared with the sensory integration and neuro rehab aspects uh, related to occupational therapy and occupation and activity and task analysis, and then further your education and how to apply the expressive arts into an OT environment. Sure, absolutely. So having that foundational knowledge is paramount. And I know we were talking about how OTs, we have a really great sense of how to evaluate the person, the environment, the the occupation. But sometimes it's difficult to translate our evaluation findings into tangible treatment ideas. And so I've found really great resources from art therapists, dance and movement therapists, other occupational therapists on Pinterest, on Instagram. I mean, I will just Google like drawing activities to treat dyslexia. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of really great ideas. So if you just kind of write in exactly what you're looking for, and if you know what deficit or what skill you're trying to to address, uh, there are resources out there. And so it's pretty easy to just kind of- Well, that's really exciting that that, that there's so many resources. And I know you have your continuing ed course, which is just such, I mean, is so full of wonderful resources with specific diagnoses and the things you suggest for it and the neuro aspects behind it. It's, it's really, really fantastic. And, oh, thank you for um, saying so. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love that course. In fact, I've taken it twice. <laughs> oh, get out. That's so funny. I love that. <laughs> so it's, it's so engaging and it's so helpful. So oh, good. Right now, what are your current interests? So you are with children and you mainly use expressive arts with children or across the spectrum? I've used them across the spectrum as often as I can. So I think I mentioned this before, especially in neuro rehab with adults who uh, have some issues with, you know, aphasia, uh, expressing themselves verbally, or even just with motor planning, motor initiation, I will use a lot of dance and movement. I will use a lot of music because we found, especially in research, but even anecdotally, if you just try this with a patient, a lot of times they will, they won't be able to produce the words that they want. But then if you turn on a familiar song, they'll be able to sing the lyrics that they remembered. And I always found that to be incredibly intriguing. So I will use that. Uh, There's also another expressive art kind of theatrical way it's scripting and I know some speech therapists use this as well but if you go to you know a popular musical or play there is a script and so if you kind of build on that script so say for instance you are doing is it Hamlet I'm not even sure where it's et tu brute like you would teach the patient et tu first and once they master that then you would build on it and do brute et tu brute and in that way they are learning to express themselves by script so uh I, I do use that in the neuro population, but a lot of times with kids, because as we've spoken about before, kids love art. They love being creative. They're inherently creative because they don't have any thought processes that block them from it. You know? I know. Yes. So, all those approval or disapproval. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And since they're still learning themselves and mm-hmm. this is, and I've always found, you know, we live in such a phenomenal technology age where there are 
Hello. I'm going to stay connected to you and see if you come back on. And have them create their own game and you will see them just blossom. It's fantastic. So uh, you cut out a little bit just then, but you were saying that uh, you were saying that the digital, that's another thing because you had a graphic artist background. So I'm wondering, do you think that uh, with your graphic artists and the new technologies available, that is going to be like a new area for OTs to be able to use expressive arts and OT? And and you're cutting out again. I'm going to wait and see if you come back on. Are you back? Uh, yeah, I'm back. Did I go? You went. I think I also went. So, <laughs> well, that's we're okay. Just... We'll, we'll go ahead and, uh, and sure. continue. So, what yep. I was saying is, do you use right now in your practice digital uh, stuff? Like the, the iPads and stuff? Sabrina, are you there? I am here. Go ahead. Say that again. Sorry about that. So in your practice, do you, and that's quite all right. I know you're at work. And so if we're having any technical difficulties, totally understood. And we're just appreciative that you're here. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you for so your patience. So what I was saying is now with this whole, you, you studied as a graphic artist. Do you find that um, you are finding that you can use your graphic background and uh, technology for certain populations that may not have the ability to hold pencils or paintbrushes? Oh, yeah. So actually what uh, I was, <laughs> ironically, what I was getting at is I think a lot of times, I mean, there are so many benefits to those types of games and I do use them uh, when I need to. But what I was saying to uh, foster creativity, um, it's also really good to get kids away from the screen sometimes. All, all those games have already been created for them, so they just have to play them, which, again, really great for certain skills. But if you're trying to foster some creativity, which really lights up a ton of areas of the brain and helps uh, people in general to grow, I would get the child away from the screen and provide them with tangible objects that they can then use their imagination to create a game. But and that visual spatial aspect that you were talking about, that's just so integral for their neural uh, conditioning. Yes, yes, absolutely. But again, kind of uh, to your point and with your question, uh, I have certainly used some virtual reality. I know that's a a really heavily growing field, especially now that we're in this uh, Zoom age with COVID. But um, yeah, there are a lot of really great uh, tools and games out there. I've even used some social robotics, they call them, with the mm -hmm, company mm -hmm. I'm with. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the little ARP seal with seniors and stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so we found that that's a less intimidating figure for kids to engage in communication with. And so they they kind of learn to communicate with them as well. So there is some great, great uses of technology. So where do you see uh, expressive arts and mind-body techniques and approaches going uh, in OT? I, I think there's a reemergence because, I mean, obviously that is our historical foundations, Absolutely. the arts and crafts movement. So mm -hmm. where do you see it going now? Uh, so, yeah, I think we did have that foundation in the arts and crafts, and unfortunately it was presented as more of an antiquated kind of process. But now, since we're seeing this resurgence of art and the importance of visual components and 
being grounded and social interaction, I think occupational therapists are going to be heavily integral in preventative medica- or medicine and overall well-being because we do approach things like we've mentioned from the person, occupation, and environment standpoint. And so whenever you do that, you're tapping into people's meaningful occupations and their motivations, which a lot of times incorporates something artistic, like music, like painting, like drawing, that kind of thing. And I think if OTs are more classically trained in that and feel more comfortable administering these treatments, then it'll really help to enhance their practice and the lives of their patients. What is really exciting to me is how that you're describing how something that we've already been doing for so many years is like making a comeback mm-hmm. and can be applied now. And with this MRIs and all these other ways of testing and everything, I'm really excited by that. So uh, yes. one question you mentioned, uh, I forgot to ask you about, about environment. Have you found that like organizing the supplies and all that, does that help with their environment interaction, especially like, you know, organizing their thinking, like I need these many colors, I need this type of material. Have you found that that also has a help in the rehabilitation? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Because art as a practice uh, can feel overwhelming because you don't know where to start. You have this blank piece of paper, this blank canvas, and you don't really know what to do with it. And especially with staff, uh, art is still kind of eking into the medical world, but that's still a world that consists largely of medical tools. (laughs) So (laughs) art is something that you really need to guide uh, medical staff in to help promote it with their patients. So actually with one of the companies I'm with, they are producing these packages called art to go and they give them to nursing homes. And so they kind of guide their residents through these artistic processes, which I think is fantastic. Wonderful. That is so fantastic. Well, and especially like an OT kit, you know, all the OT kits. It is. Exactly. Yes, it, it very much is because you have to take into account the biomechanical capabilities, the visual, you know, neuro, whatever with these yes, residents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever um, the population is. Yep. And provide the adaptations because I found this to be so interesting is that, uh, you know, we know that nowadays with COVID, these residents in these nursing homes, for instance, are extremely isolated and it's heartbreaking. Mm. And they've seen a lot of cognitive decline, even leading to death because these people just aren't motivated. They're not emotionally stimulated at all. So what we've found in research actually is that when people look at a particularly meaningful piece of art, it produces this uh, increase of 10% of of blood flow in the brain, which is actually equivalent to when someone is looking at a loved one. So when a loved one can't be there, yeah, they could be looking at meaningful art and having the same neurochemical benefits, which then leads to, you know, less cytokines in the blood and then, you know, less yes, health issues, which is increase great. of oxytocin and then there's less agitation. Yes. Yes. A lot more exactly. serotonin. Oh my goodness. That is just incredible research. That is, that mm-hmm. is like literally life changing truly for a lot of our, uh, you know, seniors it uh, is. That have agitation. That would be really, really beneficial. Absolutely. Now I know uh, we're getting to the end of our uh, time together and mm-hmm. I'm so excited because you said you would be uh, willing to lead us through a, um, sort of creative, expressive tasks that we ourselves could use to have better well-being. Sure. So, um, go ahead and just lead away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure about the technology behind this because typically I incorporate some music in here as well. But if we don't have to use that uh, for this one now, 
I you could lo- suggest to us uh, if uh, what kind of music would it be something that we, oh. uh, w- you know, so we could play choose our own little playlist and use it later on on our own ourselves to continue continue the practice. Sure, sure. Okay, so I typically like instrumental for this, and I even use there's a London Philharmonic Orchestra that does instrumental versions of popular songs, which I love because I'll. I, you know, I, I know what to anticipate with the notes and things like that. Um, now I can provide actual examples of songs. I'm a little bit of a music nerd, but <laughs> I, uh, I do say, I think instrumental is, is the best. So you're not influenced by the lyrics that you may mm-hmm. be hearing. So the important thing with this uh, process is you just kind of let your hand do the talking. Don't worry about what it looks like. Again, it's about the process. So I use this a lot with my pediatric patients, but I have found it to be really enlightening with myself as well. It, it kind of forces you to be pretty vulnerable and definitely mm. better to do with like a partner or a group so you can share what you've uh, done. So mm-hmm. uh, what we're going to do here is I want everyone, if you have your paper and your, you can use markers, pencils, crayons, whatever you want. Uh, I would love for everyone to turn on their music mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to go ahead and make the outline of a face. So we're going to just make an oval in our, our page. So make sure it fills up the whole page. And then once you do that, you're going to draw a line right down the center. So we're going to divide the face into two separate halves. And then on the left side, I want you to, and again, doesn't matter what it looks like, but I want you to draw your facial expression based on how you feel on the inside. Uh, it could be right now, it could be for the majority of your day, just how you feel on the inside. Um, you know, let's do whenever you're interacting with people. So how do you feel on the inside? Draw that expression. So is your mouth turned up? Is it turned down? Are you unsure? And then on the other half of the face, I want you to then draw how you think other people are viewing you, how they see you um, when you're interacting with them. So a lot of times these two halves are very different from each other. And so it's, pretty enlightening to see what your perception of yourself is and what you think people think of you. That's pretty, pretty cool. And then the last step of that is on the other side of your page. I want you to draw that face again and draw your face, making an expression of how you want to be seen. And again, that could be very different from what you just drew on the divided face. So again, on the left side, you're going to draw what you feel like on the inside, on the right side, you're going to draw what you think people, how you think people perceive you. And then a whole new face on how you want to be perceived. Wow. That is a great exercise. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I actually, I saw, again, like I spoke to about the Pinterest and Instagram stuff. The first part of that was something that I saw on some blog posts. And then I just sort of added my own spin of how yeah, no, and, and that's, that's <laughs> so just exactly to give what it's about. It's about creativity. Uh, and have you, when you've done it or when you've done this, uh, have you seen that there's like all three of them are totally different or? Oh, all the time, way more often than not. So I have a lot of kids who are in their preteen and teen years that have a behavioral issues, emotional suppression. They aren't verbalizing the way that they need to. And it really comes out in tantrums and lashing out physically. And a lot of times this is very helpful for them and for us to see how they're, they are on the inside and how they want to be perceived because maybe they're just not having that expressive outlet. And this really helps provide that. So it's just another way for communication for themselves to themselves and to others. So it's a two-way com- com- conversation without Absolutely. having to have, if they don't have the words or the, or the 
emotional capability of expressing themselves. Right, exactly. And a lot of times when you aren't, when you don't have the ability to express yourself, that leads to all, as you can imagine, yes, all kinds of frustration yeah. and lashing out in, in random ways. So yeah, this helps a lot. Bridget, you have been wonderful and I would love to have oh, you come you. on again and maybe, sure. uh, you know, discuss in more detail a specific diagnosis that you work with that you have found to be more successful, uh, the expressive arts than other treatments. Uh, but thank you. Thank you. And I so look forward to talking to you again. And sure. Thank you so much for having works? me. Uh, well, I just wanted to encourage everybody to really kind of go outside of your comfort zone, encourage your patients to go outside of your comfort zone and engage in the therapeutic art process because it really is phenomenal. And the last thing I wanted to say is I would also encourage you as OT practitioners to have a knowledge of the certified art therapist, dance and movement therapist, music therapist in your area. I've referred out to them many times. They are experts in this field and they're wonderful to uh, collaborate with and work with. So uh, just have a knowledge of that, too, if you think any of your patients would benefit from that. But, Sabrina, thank you so much for having me on here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening today. Of Sound Health will post new episodes every Monday. Start your week by exploring and experiencing new and beautiful approaches to enhance your everyday well-being. To continue the conversation, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player or app. Until next week. Mm-hmm.